Well, it's great to see you this morning in the house of the Lord. Today we are getting into week three of this uh, summer message series we've been in called Fight. Everybody say fight. fight. All right, nine o'clock. Come on, wake up. Everybody say fight. fight. There you are. Okay, now I'm, I'm not going to let you sleep this morning. Now I know uh, there's going to be a lot of tendency to sleep in this portion of the room this morning. Okay, because if you didn't notice, there's a homeless camp that took up in the uh, church parking lot earlier uh, overnight our students are beginning their seek week missions trip uh, and it kind of got derailed you know with everything with this been going on and so it's going to be a home missions trip and they uh, started it friday night with a just an incredible night of worship here in the sanctuary and then last night they uh, were sleeping outside in cardboard boxes uh, with uh, with all kinds of animals i understand and, uh, and so what a night they had, but all week long they're going to be ministering in our community. And so um, just, uh, you know, if, if that area, if they start to get sleepy, I may take this water bottle and go Catholic this morning <laughs> and, and wake them up, okay? We're going we're to try to keep them awake as we go today. But we are in week three of this series called Fight. We're in Ephesians 6, if you want to turn there. Version Bible app, you can turn there, and we're talking about spiritual warfare and the armor of God, and I, I meant to mention this for a couple weeks now, I just, I just keep forgetting, but uh, anytime I am, I'm going to say borrowing content from somebody else, I like to give them credit for it, so I've been using two really great sources for this series, Tony Evans and his daughter Priscilla Shire has some incredible content and teaching on the armor of God so I'm using a lot of their stuff so I just want to let them that they don't they're not gonna know I'm gonna say let them know but let you know that uh, this is not original content with me uh, but let's look at Ephesians chapter 6 we're gonna read these uh, nine verses this morning and uh, just to kind of open the door to see where we're going today so Paul says finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to what? Good job, 9 o'clock. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. With the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith which is with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Happy Father's Day to all the dads this morning. Man, I was thinking about this week. We're blessed at Ringing Church of God with some great dads, with some great granddads, with some great, great granddads. And, uh, and so we just want to tell you how much we appreciate you and we love you. And as you're leaving today, we've got a, a goodie bag for you that will uh, just keep you sugared up and, and ready to go for the rest of the day. There's, there's some good stuff in there. I bought it. I went to Sam's and bought all that stuff, so you better believe you know it's good, all right? If you want to know what I like, it's a lot of it's in that bag. But I got to thinking this week about, you know, what, what are the ingredients? What are some of the characteristics of a father? You know, a father is somebody who provides. He's somebody who leads. He's somebody who teaches. He, he brings wisdom and guidance in our lives. A father is fun. 
uh, should be fun. I, some of the most fun memories I have are with my three kids when they were little. Now, we don't do this now because dads realize that once your kids get bigger than you, you don't wrestle on the bed anymore because then they will beat you because it's three on one and you'll break the bed. I remember when they were so little I could hold all three of them down at the same time. I can't do that now. You know, they would whip me now. But, you know, dads are fun. Dads also are funny. You know, we hear a lot about dad jokes today. So I'm going to give you my favorite dad joke. And i got to give credit. I think uh, I, the first person who told me this joke was Van, my brother-in-law, probably about 25 years ago. So here it goes. Brock's heard this one a million times. Don't answer it, okay? And I might have told it before. Here's my favorite dad joke. What's green and sings? Elvis Parsley. I know, that's really, really bad, really bad dad joke. A really bad, good dad joke, right? Dads also are responsible for uh, the spiritual well-being of the home. I mean, the Bible says that men were supposed to be the, the, uh, the spiritual leaders of our home, that we're supposed to love our wives as Christ loved the church. But I think one of the, one of the things is men... And to this day, he will, when, when we're with them, staying with them, he'll go through the house before he goes to bed, check every door in the house before he goes to bed. That's what dads do. Dads protect. And I got to thinking this week, I've got three stories. I got one for all three of my kids that are, that are protection stories. I'm going to save one of them for last, but I'm going to start with Brock this morning. He's here. He's the youngest. He's 17. He's got the best protection story as far as funny goes because... Um, he played sports for years, and just like uh, all kids who play sports, you've got the uniform you're supposed to wear, and, and he played baseball for several years. In the last few years, he played baseball. I didn't have any problem with him putting on all the gear he was supposed to put on, except for one piece, and it would kind of go along with the sermon last week when we talked about girding your loins. <laughs> there was that one piece of the uniform that he would always forget to put on, and I'm like, Brock, do you have that piece? No, I'm not, I, I forgot it. I can't find it. It's uncomfortable. I'm like, you want to know what uncomfortable is, is what's going to happen to you if you don't have that piece of your baseball uniform on. He was not very thrilled about girding up himself to protect himself. And I'm like, you need to protect yourself. On a little more serious note for, for Trent, uh, he is our oldest son. He's 22. And I'll never forget the day, and I guess it hit me more because it was the first kid that I went through this with. But the day I drove right up here to Ebenezer Middle School and dropped him off for the first day of sixth grade. I cried. I came back here to the office. I walked down to our children's pastor's office at the time. It was Daniel Bunce. I stood in the doorway and I cried. Just big old tears came down and I said, this, is, this one's getting me. And it got me because I knew that there was a shift that was taking place. Everybody knows who has kids who move from elementary school to middle school, things will never be the same again. And it's not so much about, you know, worried about middle school bullies or the homework or the puberty or all those things that are coming. But you know there's an innocence. There's a change that's taking place. And, and there's a part of your protection over them that you just can't protect them anymore like you, like you used to as they're moving through those years. And that, that really, really got to me. And, you know, I think maybe... It was a little bit heavier on me because I was a youth pastor for many years. I'd seen kids go through those times. But also because I knew that there is a spiritual real enemy that wants and wanted to take out my son. 
that wants to take out all three of my kids, that wants to take out your kids and your grandkids, all of our kids. And us, no matter how young or old we are, we have an enemy that we are in a fight with that wants to take us out. Paul talks about that a fight in Ephesians chapter 6. He tells us he identifies the enemy. He says it's the devil. He says he's not alone. He's got uh, enemies with him. He's got his demonic forces that are with him who are always battling against us. He says that his primary strategy is he, he uses schemes and deceptive ways to trick us. And he tells us that our fight is not with each other. Uh, please remember this in today's culture. Listen to me. Your fight is not with people. People are not the problem. They're the fruit, not the root. The problem are spiritual forces. And you better believe that the enemy is behind every inch of everything we see in our country because he does not want us to be unified. The enemy hates unity if it's in the church or outside of the church. So he's fighting against us. And Paul tells us that in this fight, there are weapons that we can take up. There's a uniform we should wear. We should wear a belt of truth, a breastplate of righteousness. We should have on shoes of peace. We should have on uh, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. And he tells us that as we fight, we should stand firm. We should stay in the place that has already brought victory. We stand in Jesus. We don't go anywhere. And we stay in that place. And as we put on that armor, Paul tells us to get fully dressed. I messed with you last week. I said, you know, not like during uh, the eight, nine, ten weeks that you watch from home and, and you were not probably fully dressed watching from home. You are just hanging out watching. But Paul says, get fully dressed. And last week we put on the first piece of armor, the belt of truth. We talked about that last week. And, and the belt of truth, truth, when we say the belt of truth, the truth is this. It's God's word. God's word is the standard. God's word is the truth. And we said last week that the belt of truth, Paul shares it with us first because that belt of truth holds everything together. God's word is unchangeable. God's word is clear. And we said last week that whom the sun sets free is free indeed and that the truth will set you free. Amen? And so then Paul goes on from there to say, okay, there's a belt of truth. But then you should put on a breastplate of righteousness. It goes on right after the belt of truth. Now, what is a breastplate, okay? Here's a picture of a breastplate. And a breastplate is the largest part of the spiritual armor. It is said that Roman soldiers' armor probably weighed about 70 pounds. And I would say that most of the weight was probably in that breastplate. But the purpose of that breastplate is to protect the most vital parts of the body. To protect the stomach. The kidneys, the liver, the lungs, and most importantly, protect the what? Protect the heart. But why does Paul call it a breastplate of righteousness? Okay. Now, you're going to see, you probably already have, that as Paul describes each of these weapons, he takes a, a super spiritual word and attaches that word with that particular weapon. So last week, the belt of what? Truth, okay? This week, the breastplate of righteousness. Now, righteousness is a big-sounding biblical word. It's almost a little overwhelming. Like, what? If somebody looked, asked you today to define righteousness, you would be like, i got to think about that one. But let me explain it to you like this. Priscilla Shire tells a story that will be familiar to all of us. It's happened to many of us before. And the story is that she took her uh, boys fishing. 
She said that in their community, in their neighborhood, is a little uh, pond, and she'll take them fishing there, and uh, sometimes they fish from the bank. But sometimes they'll take a little john boat that's right there and get in the john boat and go out. She said, but that john boat, every time we come up to use the john boat, it's always turned upside down. Now, you know why you turn a boat upside down by, beside a pond, right? Because if you just used it, you might have got some water in it, so you, so you get it to leak out and get it to, to drain out. And you also turn it upside down so when it rains, it doesn't fill up and rust out. But she said, there's always this moment when I go up and know that I'm going to turn over the boat that I know there's going to be stuff under there. Because that covered up, damp, dark environment creates a space where things that like to jump and slither and waddle and spring to life when you turn that thing over and she said so I'm always nervous about turning that thing over and she said you know it's interesting when when the boats turned upside down I don't ever have to say to to make an invitation and say hey will all the woodland creatures come and find themselves a place to sleep and live under the boat what does that have to do with righteousness here's the point when we live upside down, when we live in dark places opposite of the light of God, we create damp, dark places where the enemy can come and live. And you don't have to invite, hey, come on, enemy. You don't have to invite the enemy to come and get up under your damp, dark place. The enemy will come anyway and find a place. Unrighteous living provides the perfect environment for demonic activity in your life. Pastor, did you say demonic activity? Well, listen, let's just be honest this morning. If we're going to believe in an almighty God and a powerful Jesus, we better believe that just as much as there's a good side, there's a bad side. Right? Just like there's good guys, there's bad guys, and these bad guys are really bad. And all throughout Scripture, we find that. I mean, we're talking about spiritual warfare. We have said that spiritual warfare is this conflict on the outside that we can't see that, that affects the, the unseen that affects the seen. And I said it last week, if you ever feel like there's something outside fighting against you in your emotions, in your attitude, in your spirit, anybody else ever feel that way? That's not just bad vibes, what bull that is. It's the enemy. There's a real enemy that is fighting against us. And so, unrighteousness, living upside down, is the enemy's invitation to come and live in our lives. Listen to this. This is the definition of righteousness. Righteousness, the opposite, is upright living that aligns with the expectations of God. Righteousness is up. Right living that aligns with the expectations of God. So, why is the breastplate so important? Well, I told you last week that these six pieces of armor, Paul divides them in two sets of three. The first set of three, he leads in with the word with or having. And he says, you should always be with the belt of truth. You should always have the breastplate of righteousness. You should always be with the shoes of peace. Meaning... You don't leave home without them. You always have those pieces on. But then he switches the verb. And then he goes from with to take or take up. And then he says, but take up. 
the shield of faith. Take up the helmet of salvation. Take up the sword of the spirit. When you need them, take them up. It's like the baseball uniform analogy we said. Part of that uniform, you wear it all the time. Whether you're on the field or in the dugout. But then there's parts that you take up when you need them. When you need the glove, you take it up, you go out in the field. When you need the bat, you take the bat and you go up to the plate. Everybody with me? Okay, if your neighbor's asleep, wake them up. Because some of, some of the youth are struggling, man. They're struggling. I'm trying, to, y'all, I'm trying to keep them awake this morning. So in, in Ephesians 6.14, what Paul is sa- saying here is that this breastplate of righteousness, this is your uniform for right living. Your uniform is making choices that align with God. Again, look at that definition. Righteousness is upright living that aligns with the expectations of God. Listen to this. It's choosing a lifestyle. Everybody say lifestyle. That aligns with God's truth. A lifestyle means that it's not something I take on and put off. Okay? If it's not something that, you know, okay, it's Sunday, I'm going to put on my breastplate of truth. I'm going to put on my Christian lifestyle because it's Sunday, all right? And I'm going to stroll into church on Sunday, all right? And then tomorrow it's Monday morning, so I take it off and hang it up in the closet. And I might pick it up if I go to church on Wednesday night or if I need to be spiritual around somebody during the week. But, no, it doesn't work that way. This is a part of the armor, Paul says, that I should have on all the time. Righteousness is lifestyle living. I never take it off. Other words in Scripture that describe righteousness are old words like holiness and obedience. Being distinct, being different, being set apart from the rest of the culture. I'll even use the word in today's world. If you live by this book, you would be called weird We need to be more weird, y'all. We need to be weird. When the world looks at us, they should say we are weird. And we're not talking about legalistic extremes, okay? We've gone through that in the church where where we flew the pendulum out there and we said, well, it's all about what you wear and what you look. Only thing we did during that season of the church, we took care of the exterior. We didn't work on the interior. It's like the old song we used to sing, Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. That's what brings change in us. So righteousness will cause us to be different than the world around us. Paul, uh, Peter says this in 1 Peter 2.11. He says, dear friends, I what? Warn you. Just like what Paul's doing. I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. He's saying you're aliens. Okay, look at your neighbor and say, you're an alien. Okay. I warn you to keep away from worldly desires that wage what? Wage war against your soul. It sounds like Peter's been copying off of Paul's paper. The, 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 uh, the teacher would say, y'all are sharing notes, guys. You know? And Peter says, there's a battle that's going on here. And if you're in this battle, you need to, you need to understand that part of being in the battle is understanding you're a temporary. This is not your home. Amen? Anybody look at the news and say, I'm real glad this ain't my home. I'm really glad that there's, there is a heaven to live for and to be excited about. Again, upright living righteousness is upright living that aligns itself with the expectations of God. So when people look at your life and my life, they should see that our morals, our choices, our actions, our values, and our decisions are different than the world's. 
We shouldn't be looking like the world. We're supposed to come out from the world. Is that still true? Amen. It is, if you, if you amen or not. Okay? It's true. So, that's kind of what, the, what that breastplate of righteousness is all about. But what is the function of it? Okay? There are two functions this morning to the breastplate. Okay? Only two points this morning. Pretty simple. The first point and the first function of the breastplate is that it connects. Everybody say, connects. Now, you might not know this, but we put on the belt of truth first, then we put on the breastplate of righteousness second, because that breastplate literally would connect to the belt. There was a hinge there, and there was a place where it would connect so that they worked in unison. They would work together. What that tells me is that Paul says, okay, he uses the belt of truth, and then the breastplate of righteousness, they connect to each other. And that means there is a connection, watch this, between truth and righteousness. They work together. So watch this. We should affirm God's standard, which is what? Truth. And then align our behavior with his standard, which is, okay? It's not enough just to know the word. I should align my, my behavior. If the Bible says my behavior should be A, then it's like a math problem. If it says the truth is A, my behavior should be B, then my behavior's got to line up with that. You affirm first and align second. Everybody in your mind right now, picture a railroad track. You got it? Picture that railroad track that just goes as, as far as you can see. Truth is the railroad tracks in your life. God's word provides the railroad tracks in your life and righteousness is the train of obedience and behavior that aligns with God's railroad tracks of truth and rides them out in the distance. Remember, we're in a fight, okay? Everybody say fight again. Don't forget we're in a fight. And the enemy's goal for your life and mine and, and somebody who's, who's lived a little bit of life those of you who are a little bit older this morning, can you, just, can you just testify today that you don't get past 50 or 55 or 60 and the enemy just says, okay, I'm done with you. I'm going to just work on the young people. No, he keeps coming, doesn't he? He keeps trying to pull you off the track. See, the enemy wants your behavior to be out of alignment with the truth. So he tempts, he affirms, and he celebrates any time he can take you by the hand and lead you off the track. Anybody here ever seen anybody whose life was tracking down the track, but the enemy got them off track and led them not just one step, two steps, three steps, and everybody still remember that track? that we had in our mind, and the track's going this way, but now I'm out here in the woods, I'm down in the ditch, I'm over here in the lake, and I'm way off, my life is way off from the track where I started. Anybody know anybody who, who lives that way? Anybody ever lived that way before in your life where you were on the track and then the enemy just pulled you off? Okay, some of you are, are nodding. You, you know what we're talking about this morning. But here's the thing, guys. Satan, we've said in this series, and we're pounding away, reminding you that he cannot overpower you because of that right there. He lost his power when Jesus defeated him on the cross and resurrected three days later. Amen? So since he can't overpower you, what he wants to do is work right here in your what? 
He works in your mind. And so he has a playground right here in your mind. And he's trying to trick you. And, and so he's pretty predictable when you think about it. Because the devil's schemes will come at you in those moments when you're weak. You're lonely. You're hungry. You're tired. You're fearful. You're frustrated. The enemy comes a little bit more into your life when your marriage is a little rocky and you're arguing a little bit more. Comes a little bit closer when there's problems on your job or with your finances or with your kids. He's watching. He's looking to see those opportunities where he can slither into your life and use those moments of weakness. See, those things aren't by chance. Satan's, uh, Satan's tricks are not some big mystery. It's not like trying to figure out how back in the day David Copperfield would make the Statue of Liberty disappear. Or all these magic tricks we've seen. His tricks are not, it's, it's not something that we're trying to figure out. We know how he works. It's just the same way he did with, with Jesus. In Matthew 4, Jesus has been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And your Bible says when he finished the fast, the scripture said he was very hungry. Not just hungry, he was very hungry. And what did Satan tempt him with? Food. He was probably tired too. He was probably wrestling with, you know, what was next. And the enemy came against him. But what did Jesus do? Jesus stood up against him with what? The truth. He gave him the truth, and the truth set Jesus free. We said, you know, before that when you, when you resist the enemy, the enemy will what? Flee. So God doesn't tempt us. God isn't the one who tempts us. It's, it's Satan who comes along. And Paul says we need to stand firm. We need to be aware of his schemes and his strategies. We need to know that when I'm feeling tired or worn out or frustrated or fearful or all these things, I might be in a place for the enemy to come against me. Again, righteousness is right side living that aligns with the truth of God's word. The truth has got to align in my behavior. So, reading the Bible is good. Praying is good. Coming to church is good. Giving is good. Serving is good. Listening to worship music is good. All I'm doing is checking the box if the things I'm hearing, reading, praying about, singing about do not get off the page and into my behavior. There's a lot of box checkers in the Christian world. They check the box, I come to church. Then the rest of the week, their behavior does not line up. I check the box, I read a 30-second devotion. Give me a break. I need more than a 30-second devotion for, my, for the rest of my week. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? I need to be in constant communication with him. Look at what... Uh, James said, the half-brother of Jesus in James 1, he says, don't just listen to God's word. You must what? Do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, he says it's this foolish. It's like if you go to the bathroom, you look at yourself in the mirror, and then you walk out and you forget what you look like. 
You see yourself walk away. You forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free. Oh my goodness. What have we been saying? Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Sounds like James had been listening to some of his half-brother Jesus teaching. He's borrowing from Jesus' paper now. The perfect law sets you free. And if you do what it says, not just hear it, you do it, then you won't forget what you've heard. And God will do what? God will do what? There is blessings that come when we live in alignment with the Word of God. Amen? Okay, let's go back to our illustration of Father's Day and fathers protecting. When a father's teaching his son or daughter how to drive, the first thing that they will introduce them to is before the keys, before the oil change, before the brake, they say this is in this vehicle, and it's the most important thing, and it's the seat, what? Belt, the seat belt. Is a seat belt in every car? It's, it has to be. It's, it's required. But unless I take that seat belt that's there, and I pull it across my chest, my breast unless I pull it across my breastplate of who I am unless I pull it off and I connect it it does no good the truth hangs there in that car the truth is that seat belts save what lives but the truth doesn't work unless I pull it across me and lock, and lock it in the truth in action brings protection but let's be honest, okay? Even, even some of you hear this word we're talking about this morning, righteousness. You're like, well, that sounds heavy. I mean, I understand why it's the heaviest piece of the armor because righteousness is heavy. That just seems like too much to be able to do. Because if I go back to my definition, the definition says righteousness is upright living that aligns with the expectations of God. Anybody ever read the expectations of God, look at your life and say, I just can't seem to live up to those expectations. I battle to live up to the expectations of God's word. You're not alone in that. Paul, who wrote everything pretty much that we're talking about this morning, in Romans chapter 7, he said, I have this ongoing battle inside of me. I am fighting inside of me with the flesh and the things I want to do it's like there's all these things that my heart wants to do but my hands my ears my feet my mouth anybody that's you your mouth my mouth just can't get in alignment with what God wants me to do and Paul struggles with that and finally in verse 24 he says oh what a miserable person I am. Anybody measure yourself against the word of God and you're like, good night. Boy, I'm just miserable. I just, I just cannot get it together. What a miserable person I am. And then he answers, he asks another question. Who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? He finds himself frustrated and overwhelmed in his pursuit of righteousness. And a lot of times when people get there, they'll do one or two things. They'll either say, I can't do it. They'll walk away with discouragement and despair. They're on the track and they just get off the track and say, I cannot live according to that track. It's too much. I'm, I'm going to do something else. Or they'll stay on the track and they'll try to create energy for their own 
train and work harder and pray harder and try harder and just try to make, all, make it all about what they do. What I do, what I do, what I do, what I do, what I do. And then it becomes independent of what God wants us to do. And that is to depend on him and to lean on him. We feel like we have to perform for God. <clears throat> but here is great news about this connection. We said a while ago, the belt of truth connects to the breastplate of righteousness. There's a hinge and a connection point. But the connection physically in that armor wasn't just so that it would all be connected and it would work well. Remember I told you that this piece of armor was the heaviest part of all of it. And because it's so heavy, because righteousness is so heavy, that soldier trying to carry that piece of armor on his own, he would get exhausted if he just had to carry it on his own. But guess what? You might not know this, but the belt actually not only connected to it, it actually helped bear the weight of the breastplate. Now, if you put the dots together, what that means is this. That means that truth, the truth of God, will not only keep connected to and aligned with God's word, but God's truth also bears the weight of the righteousness that I feel like I can't measure up and live to. Watch this. What is some of the truth in here that bears the weight of righteousness? Paul says in the Philippians 3.9, I, I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through my what? My faith in Christ. Abraham was credited with righteousness because he believed in God. Not because he kept the train going down the tracks. Romans 5.19, Paul said, because one person... Adam disobeyed God many became sinners everybody say thanks a lot Adam it's Father's Day so we'll blame Adam instead of Eve but because one other person obeyed God who was what Jesus many will be made righteous Adam comes along and the dominoes fall and slap all of us in the back of the head. Thanks a lot, Adam. I'm slapped with sin. Jesus comes along and pulls the dominoes da, 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 right back up and says, What happened in one man? I'm going to reverse the curse through my life and I will become cursed on a tree for you so that you can be righteous. 1 Peter 2.24, Peter says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for what? Righteousness. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, Paul says, God made him, who? Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Those are just four verses that are the tracks of truth on which you and I are supposed to rest our behavior. The belt of truth helps to carry, the belt of, of the truth of those verses helps to carry some of the weight of this unreachable goal of us feeling like we've got to perform and we've got to do it on our own. Because Jesus did it for us. See? These verses tell us that when you place your faith in Christ, that the righteousness of God, watch this, is credited into your bank account. 
Now, when Jesus died and gave his life, and I accept that, what he did, he made a withdrawal out of my bank account. He withdrew, oh, this is good. He withdrew the sin and the shame and the disappointment and the wrong choices out of my bank account. But Jesus' death, when I accept that and believe in him, doesn't just remove everything from my bank account. Oh, no. Jesus became sin for you and I that he may credit my bank account with righteousness so that when I don't have any righteousness, I can look in the bank account and I'm never overdrawn because there's his righteousness, not my own. And when God sees me, he sees me, and if I physically could, I would go on the other side of that cross. He sees me through the cross, through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, through his righteousness. That is such good news. The belt of truth carries the weight of our righteousness. It connects us to him. So, positionally, you and I are declared righteous in Christ. That's good news. But it is our responsibility to live upright and stay on the track, connected to truth, living out truth, and resting on that. So that's the first point, is that the belt of truth keeps, it connects. The last point, and this is a real short one, not as long as I'm almost finished, is that the breastplate of righteousness protects so if I've got those things in place, then I've put myself in a position for protection. We said that that piece of armor protects the most vital organs. Stomach, liver, kidneys, lungs, most importantly, the heart. And there is a result of this connection. Follow, I'm about to say follow the science. We hear that all the time now. But follow the word, okay? First you've got the belt connects to the breastplate, truth connects to righteousness. And when I am, I know the truth and I live by the truth, I'm connected to the truth. The result is that there is a protection that comes over my life. What's the most vital organ that that breastplate of righteousness is supposed to protect? The heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your what? Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So that protection of everything that we just talked about, when I live it out, it protects my heart. When I live it out, also, there's protection against the schemes and the attacks of the enemy. Listen to this. A byproduct of right living is that it protects you from permanent and lasting damage of the enemy. You've heard me talk a lot this morning. Don't miss that. A byproduct, a byproduct of right living is that it protects you from permanent and lasting damage of the enemy. Clean living works. Because the enemy would like nothing more than to derail you off the track and get you addicted to all types of substances or things in your mind or in your spirit. And then he's got you. But watch this. This breastplate of righteousness, what it does, it, it protects our heart. It protects us from the attack of the enemy. And then I thought about this verse of scripture that we've been the one we've looked at the most over the last few months as, as believers. 
Psalm 91. We talked about it in terms for the times. The week we had the tent up here and we, we talked about the shelter, sheltering in place. But listen to these words under, in the context of the breastplate of righteousness. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Whenever I live a righteous life and I stay on the train tracks, just my right living guards me from so much of the sin and junk in this world. Amen? Anybody know right living will guard you from some garbage? There's enough junk that comes at, at you anyway. There's enough unexpected tragedies and sicknesses that happen in this world anyway. Why compound the problem by having an addiction? And then he says, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him and I will what? Protect him. For he acknowledges my name. He's on the track. His life is tracking. He acknowledges my name. He will call on me. God, I need you. And I will answer him I will be with him in trouble I will deliver him and honor him and with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation listen to the words of Jesus if nothing else convinces you listen to the words of Jesus Jesus said blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and what y'all still awake what obey it Jesus said it's not enough just to hear it See, I told you James, his half-brother, was copying off his paper. Not just enough to hear it, but Jesus said we must obey it. I told you there were three Father's Day protection stories I want to share with you. I, I told on Brock, and I talked about Trent. <clears throat> Let me tell you a story about my daughter, Jaden. My daughter is uh, 18, just finished her first year of college. Be 19 here in just a few weeks. We had just made a move in our lives, her fifth grade year. And, uh, and that move was, was really difficult for her. At the time, I really didn't even realize it how, how much, but over the years, I, I've learned even more how hard that move was for her. But as a fifth grade girl changing schools and all that she went through, she went through so many things during that time. She started talking to me and, and Tressa about some of the things that were going on in her spirit and in her mind, some of the fears she was having, some of the battles that she was having. She was saying some things that, that were scary. And, and Tressa and I were like, what do we do with this? Our daughter is really having a spiritual battle as a fifth grader. And having these thoughts because she was so down and, and getting almost depressed and the Lord led me to, to take, a, take a, a CD. And I made a CD of, of some worship music, a bunch of worship songs. We took a little boom box and put it in her bedroom. And I said, when you go to bed at night, baby, I want you to play this CD. And she began to do that. I would walk by her room at night and hear that worship music. 
songs about the truth of who God is and what Jesus has done singing over her as she slept. Can I tell y'all, it wasn't very long that whatever the enemy was doing in her life subsided. It wasn't years. It wasn't decades of this battle. And she kept doing that for years. And, and now she sings all the time all around the house. I hear her singing upstairs all the time. And I thought about it this week. As a father, my instinct was, what can I do to protect my daughter? Sometimes dads, moms, those things are out of our control. There's nothing else we can do within our control. But that's when we lean in. And in the spirit world, we say, I'm going to put on the belt of truth for my daughter. And the breastplate of righteousness and the things that are true and right, I'm going to make sure those things are communicated over her. Watch this verse of scripture from Jesus. Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will do what? Come to him and make our home with him. Oh, if you're with me right now, you just, that just sunk. That should sink in your spirit. Because what that verse says is that when I say I love the Lord, and I'm not only just on the track, but I'm aligning my life with the truth of God's word. Jesus says, not only do I love you, but the Father, the ultimate protector, loves you. And we, oh, look at that word. Everybody say we. We will come. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we will show up in your daughter's bedroom when she's in a spiritual battle at 11 years old. And we will fight those battles in the spirit world. Hallelujah. We will fight those battles in the unseen over her as she sleeps. And we will break off strongholds that have been in her spirit where the enemy's trying to lay claim on a spot that he has no claim over. We dedicated her unto you, God, and we're praying and believing the things of God over her. And in that room and in that time over her life, we went to war for her and God showed up in our home and in that situation and won and broke a battle over her life. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Well, Sister Carolyn stood right there on Wednesday night and we were talking. She said, I don't know how people do it without God. I don't either, y'all. And if you've been trying to do it without God and you realize that, hey, I'm just, I can't keep the train on the track. I'm fighting this battle and I'm getting whipped all the time. Look at what the promise of God is today. If anyone, somebody say anyone. If anyone, if whosoever loves me and will keep my word, the Father will love him and will come to him and we will make our home with him. Righteousness is upright living that aligns with the expectations of God. It's connecting to truth. It's allowing my life to rest on his righteousness and in receiving the protection 
that comes from it. Amen? Let's stand together this morning. And the worship team is coming today. And as they come, can we just begin to sing this song together today? You're a good, good father. It's who you are. Come on, say it. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good. Come on, say it out. It's who you are. It's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. You are perfect. You are perfect in all of your ways. Perfect in all of your ways. Come on. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. Yes, you are. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your Love so undeniable. It's love so undeniable. I, I can hardly speak. Peace so unexplainable. I, I can hardly think Come on now, say it. Hallelujah, yes. Deeper still has you called me, yeah. Deeper still is love. Hallelujah. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. for that today church that he is a good good father who sees it all and knows it all he gives us and imparts to us righteousness beyond what we deserve and he connects us and protects us by his Holy Spirit God right now I pray over your people 
And Lord, if there's someone here today, God, it feels incredibly disconnected and incredibly unprotected. Lord, I pray that the truth of your word that we've unpacked this morning, God, may your Holy Spirit speak to them and encourage them and draw them and bring life and encouragement to them today. Lord, to know that they are not alone, that you are with them on the track, that you are cheering them on in the journey. God, that you are going before them. You are fighting their battles. You are winning their battles. That you are victorious. In the name of Jesus, we pray. If you need to receive that word that we've spoken this morning, you say, Pastor, that was for me. I need to receive that. that I am connected to him and protected by him. Will you just lift your hands up right now? I needed to receive that today. Amen. All over the room, people saying, that was for me. God bless you and encourage you with that today. Nobody looking around. One more prayer today. If you would say, Pastor, I'm not even on the track today. My life is living completely out of alignment with who God is and what he wants it for me And this morning, I need to pray a prayer. I need to get back on this track. I need to align myself with truth. I'm living out of his love, grace, and protection. And I want to make a decision today to put Jesus at the center of my life today. I want to lead you in a prayer today to do that. Is there anybody here today who would say, that's me, Pastor? I'll promise not to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. Would you raise your hand and put it right back down? If there's anybody who needs to pray that prayer today, anybody, raise your hand, put it right back down. I'll be glad to pray with you today. Anybody today that would pray that prayer this morning with us. I want to lead you in that prayer today. And I want all of us to pray it together. And you may not have had the courage this morning to raise your hand. But I can tell you that God sees your heart. And if you pray that prayer today, you will become a new creation in Jesus Christ. Let's pray a prayer today that will connect us to his protection. Dear God. I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sins. God, forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he took my sins to the cross. I believe he died in my place. And I believe you raised him to life. I'd like to trust him now as my savior. And follow him now as Lord. From this day forward, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you prayed that prayer today, please let somebody know that. Somebody that you trust. Let me know. A staff member here know. We want to we pray with you and believe with you and trust that God's going to do great and mighty things as you grow in him. Now. Before we go this morning, I've got a a really special announcement to make. Um, And actually on Father's Day, it's pretty cool I get to make this announcement. But uh, Trent, if you'll put that down and come here real quick. Uh, Our son Trent, uh, that you guys know, he has grown up in this church. He's getting ready to graduate from Lee University. And uh, just this week, he accepted a position as the youth pastor at the New Life Church really close by in Richmond Hill. And it's really cool how the Lord works. 
He is going to be working with uh, Ryan and Raina Ogden. Raina is Kelly's sister. They grew up in this church, Marsha Barnwell's oldest daughter. And Ryan and Raina have been connected to our church for years, good friends of ours and great friends of our church. And uh, they had an opening that just happened to come in the last few weeks. And Trent just happened to be looking for a place and he just happened to call me and talk to people at Lee that called Trent. And God, you know, God a lot of times just happens to work when we live on the train track of his life in alignment with him. And God just pulled all those things together. And so I'm so excited for Trent, so excited for what's next in his life. Um, so just like we do in the church of God, when we get, give a person a job, they like start yesterday, if you know what I mean. So today is his, his last Sunday with us. Probably his last Sunday for who knows when. He'll be back at some point, I'm sure, but he's not going to be far away. And so what we want to do this morning, and we're going to do this in the second service as well, but I'll do this with anybody, not just it's my son. But anytime a son of the house, hear me, a daughter of the house, God raises up and sends them out from the house then it is up to us as the house, as keepers of the house, to put them forth in ministry today. And Trent, I'm going to ask you to stand down here and, and, um, and take a couple steps back and face me. I'm going to ask um, our leadership team, our church and pastors council to come, and anybody else who wants to come. And uh, right now, I don't give two flying rips about social distancing we're going to lay hands on and pray. And I've asked Brad to uh, lead the prayer over uh, Trent in this first service. Pastor Kevin's going to be leading a prayer over him in the second service. That's the advantage of having two services. We're going to pray and lead multiple times. But anybody in the house who wants to come and help us, we're going to set him forth in ministry today. And um, I know you love him. You love our family and we appreciate your prayers as we pray for him today and uh, set him forth for what God's called for him. Brad? Let's pray. Father, I thank you first of all for Trent. I thank you for the heart that you've placed in him, God, just to, to serve you with all that's within him. And God, I just pray this morning that that anointing that you have started would continue that that anointing that you have placed on him would become greater. And God, we just pray that that anointing would draw people to your presence, that would draw people, God, to you. And God, I pray specifically for Trent. As he enters into this new time, I pray, God, for vision. I pray that as he begins to look out and survey what's in front of him and try to figure out what's next and what steps and directions he should go in the ministry that's in front of him. I pray in Jesus' name that you would make his vision clear. I pray that there will never be a time where he questions what you've placed inside of him. I pray that whatever the task is, whatever the job is, that the vision of what you have placed inside of him would be clear. I pray that he would not doubt it, that he would not wonder if it's true, but God, he would step into it in faith 
and he would walk with confidence knowing that you are behind him and beside him and for him and there's nothing that can come against him. God, we thank you for what you're doing in his life. And God, may he proceed knowing there are people behind him, lifting him up in prayer, praying for him daily. And God, we just ask that that confidence rest in him. God, that it flow through him by the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for praying with us this morning. Happy Father's Day. Have a great day, guys, as you go out. And make sure you grab a, a gift bag today. And uh, God bless you. We hope to see you back here Wednesday night for a Bible study for adults here in the sanctuary. Youth movement will be in the Life Center. Have a great day. God bless you.